0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast, episode 57 with Keishi and Yuri.
1: Hey Yuri, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. How about you?
1: I'm good. I think you, you were mentioning it's nice and pleasant outside.
0: Uh, the weather is incredible right now. It's uh, what, 31, 32 degrees. It's clear blue skies.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly clear blue skies. It's incredibly hot as well and humid, but, uh, but it. Yeah, I guess it's
0: better than the rainy season I don't know, like I didn't feel the humidity What I felt was warmth on my skin And that, was, and that felt pretty nice For the 10, of course let me pre- preface that with, for the 10 minutes that I spent outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that maybe you spent too much time um, in the air-conditioned Natural law center or one of your favorite stores.
0: I'm sure if I spent you know a little over than that, I would be complaining. But <laughs> uh, I guess a uh, good lesson, everything in moderation. But the weather is very nice right now in Tokyo. Yeah, definitely. What are you drinking today?
1: Yeah, so today I have uh, I have Nerimaru Cider. Which a what? Is a Nerimaru cider, which Nerimaru is Nerimaru cider. Yeah, so Nerimaru is the carrot I guess it's the Yurukara, so the the mascot of my of the world that I live in in Tokyo, Sunerima.
0: I thought you were in Saitama.
1: I guess my officially registered address is in Saitama, yeah. But, mm-hmm. I, but my... But, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I've had it in the past in, in one of the nice big parks around here. And I thought I had, I have to um, bring it into this podcast Okay. at, at one time or another. Just because um, I think it's always nice to have these local drinks. Because mm. a lot of the times we kind of go with the big brands and we go with like the... <laughs> <laughs> whatever we buy, it ends up being Coca-Cola. It's <laughs> like when
0: you look at the label closely. I was gonna say when you said big brands, I was gonna say yeah, we buy the Mitsuya ciders, the Pekari sweats, and the humor in that I thought was it's funny. Like someone listening in that's not from Japan, they'd be like, "Well, I've never heard of those brands." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. Either those big Japanese brands that I think Mitsuya ciders own Bassahi. Or things that are just um, Coca-Cola's different brands of drinks. Uh, yeah. th- those end up taking a majority of the episodes, I think. So, so I thought it was nice to have this local, local drink that's made by a local company.
0: How does it taste?
1: Let me try. I think that the nice thing is, and an extra point, I guess, on our ranking scale is that it comes in a glass bottle rather than in a, in a plastic bottle.
0: Yeah, a glass bottle definitely makes things taste better somehow.
1: Tastes good. Tastes like... Tastes a bit like Mitsuya Cider, but um, have you ever had Ramune in Japan?
0: I've heard of it. Is it that strange bottle with the little ball inside? And I, I have no idea what it is and what it's for exactly, but I definitely... Yeah,
1: exactly. There's the ball and you got kind of um, push it into the bottle and then you can drink it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, a. I think it's a typical drink that you can buy or that kids buy at like um, summer festivals here. At the okay. Cities. So it tastes like that. It's pretty good. Pretty sweet. Any rating? Well, it's it's where I live, so I'll give it... Ten. Nine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about you? What are you drinking?
0: On my end, I have uh, Craft Boss straight tea, so... I think Boss is one of those very popular Japanese brands of coffee. And if you Google Boss Coffee, you will see advertisements, Japanese advertisements on YouTube. And more so, you'll see uh, Tommy Lee Jones, the guy from Men in Black. I think he's one of the more famous, he's probably one of the more famous or popular images or faces of the Boss Coffee brand. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so. And I I, I don't know, what's straight tea? Just tea without sugar or anything?
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. I think it's, it's either tea with sugar Sometimes it's it's sweet or without sugar, but without lemon or without milk.
0: Yeah, because like usually, if you go to a coffee shop and they ask you, like, you know, you can say straight to there, meaning one yeah. like without, which means like without any additional stuff like sugar, is yeah. my understanding.
1: Yeah, I, I think essentially there's usually either lemon, milk, or straight, mm. and then the sugar is on the table kind of separately. So when you get a straight, you don't get the lemon, you don't get milk, and then if you want it sweeter, you, you put in some sugar. Okay, but but yeah, it's just um, I, I I actually bought a straight tea the other day thinking it's exactly what you're describing mm-hmm. but it was actually pretty sweet so that's when i realized that oh maybe straight doesn't mean actually without sugar maybe it just means no milk and no no um lemon okay but 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 yeah i think the interesting thing is um i think it's pretty recent that boss started to get into teas right because they've been, yeah, it's been coffee all the time they've been a coffee brand for a long time and i don't think they've had any teas in the past but now they're now they have a few and i think we've had one before on this podcast too so
0: I've definitely had boss coffee on the podcast before,
1: yeah, that as well yeah I, I I wonder what the what the reason behind that expansion is, like is it less people drinking coffee or just looking for new markets to to capture
0: Probably new markets, maybe they already have a whole uh, system. And all they have to do is switch out the drink, and they can put out another product. They already have a pipeline, right? Yeah. The whole process going, and just swap out the coffee for tea, and it's the same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they've got an an extra point from me because I don't drink coffee. So.
0: Well, you're not missing out on anything. So, uh, <laughs> and with this tea, I don't know. It's uh, tastes okay. I guess I I'll well, give it like a seven or something. It's not exactly delicious. Like, oh my God, this tea is incredible. But it has like a nice mild taste. Yeah. Nothing to write home about, but maybe, but maybe you know what, I'm going to change my mind. Maybe that's a good thing because sometimes you want subtlety. Yeah. Something that's too loud or too strong. Probably not the best thing. And if it's subtle, there's, there's some enjoyment to it and it doesn't bother you too much. So I'll give it a, I'll bump it up to
1: a 7.5. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, the, the ratings are difficult because I think kind of in, at least in terms of Amazon and in terms of like when you find a place on Google, you kind of expect the place to be as close to five stars as possible. Mm-hmm. But then if you think about it, it's like three stars should be pretty good. And sometimes I read, sometimes I I see a restaurant that is like 3.5 or whatever. And I read the reviews of that and it's three stars. And it's like, this restaurant was very good. The service was nice, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, actually that makes sense. Even though in my mind, I kind of expect that kind of review to be five stars.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe it's like you see 2.5 is midway and anything below that is bad and then above 2.5 if we're going from zero to five five is like stellar above and beyond then the midway point is like eh, does the job good enough no issues nothing to complain about so so
1: yeah yeah I, I guess it depends on where you anchored and i just and this is unrelated to the drinks but just hit my mind as as we were talking about the the ratings it's just like Especially on Amazon, I guess, kind of the five-star rating has become commoditized in a way. It's like, you, you don't want three stars, you want five stars. And five stars suddenly doesn't mean exceptional, yeah. it just means acceptably good. And mm-hmm. and then I guess the question for me is like, how do you recognize exceptional? And I guess the answer is you just got to go and read the reviews or something.
0: Yeah, well, how would you, let's say, well, the, here's the thing. How would you review a product? Let's say you bought something on Amazon and, you know, it pings you for a rating. And you're like, all right, sure, I'll, I'll spend some five minutes and write it up or something. What would you go for? Because without thinking, I think I would automatically, if I liked the product, I would automatically go for a four or five. And like without, because obviously I haven't put enough thought into it. The quick reflex is, yeah, five, does the job, great stuff, I like it, we'll buy again.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think I'd go for four or five as well, cause, just because just it's anchored that way in my in my mind. And and I think it's, it's fine because, again, it tells you what to buy and what not to buy. But I think it also creates the problem of everything being rated great because there's no seven stars. It's it's yeah. up to five stars. And then it's like, should I choose the one with 4.67 or should I choose the one with 4.53? It's like, I, I, I wonder, again, just random thought, you know, but, but I wonder if there's some better way to To do
0: these ratings Uh, that's a good question Uh, i wonder if they would even look into adjusting these ratings i assume having such five-star product reviews is good for their sales so they probably wouldn't want to mess with it too much and shift everything down to 3.5 or 2.5
1: yeah that's a good point actually i guess it it helps the sales if you get a five-star product even if it's mediocre Oh, there's a lot of five-star mediocre products on Amazon. (laughs) I'd say the majority. Because again, there's like anything not worth buying or everything that is outright crap is probably like one, two. Yeah. Or two and a half stars. But shouldn't have made its way out of a factory. Yeah. And, and and then the stuff that's four or five stars is stuff that people bought and are not complaining about, essentially. I
0: think, I, I think that's how you should take it. Yeah. Out. So uh, let's jump into the topic for today.
1: All right. So today is another topic that we kind of um, sprinkled across a bunch of different episodes in the past, but that we've never kind of focused on and never, I guess, put together into a single episode that somebody can come to and learn the different tips and tricks, I guess, in terms of how to... How to get this done, and the thing that we're talking about doing is um actually keeping up with your side hustle that you just launched for for longer than just a couple of weeks because I think um every project at least for me um mm-hmm. has kind of like two or three phases or three or four phases. one is you just get started and you're really excited right, and you're kind of not seeing any results yet but but you can keep running because you have the initial excitement of starting a new thing. Mm-hmm but then things go downhill from there where you your initial excitement dies off just like when you buy a new some sort of new gadget or something it's like first you're really excited and then you kind of get used to it. It's the same with the project. So that, that initial excitement tapers off and, and you kind of, um, again, and you lose the motivation that was associated with it. But there's also no motivation coming from seeing results because it takes time to see results. And and then the third part is you're you're starting to see results and that kind of motivates you to keep going on. And I think what we're talking about today is the, is the middle part where your initial excitement dies off, which eventually happens for all projects, I think, for, for most people. Mm-hmm. And between starting to see results, and and as, as as you know, um as, as we both know, with with side hustles like um blogging or podcasting or YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. and with almost any business, that period can be pretty long. Yeah. Right? It's like it can be mm-hmm. months, half a year, or even longer before you start seeing and we're not talking about big results here, we're talking just like initial traction kind of results. So so I guess to sum it up, yeah, we'll be talking about how to get over the phase where Your initial excitement has tapered off, but you're still seeing zero traction. Yeah. So,
0: in other words, how to keep going after you lost excitement and passion for the project that you started a week ago? And now you're wondering if this will ever even work out. It's probably, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And maybe the first thing we should mention actually is like, maybe there's even people that um, that feel like, oh, I'm not excited about this project anymore. Maybe it wasn't the right project to start and then jump to the next thing. Hmm. Whereas I think um, that that can definitely be the case sometimes when when you choose something um, that you shouldn't have chosen. But I think in most cases, it's more a thing of, again, as we said, just losing the excitement and failing to push through when you should have pushed through rather than just jumping to the next shiny object
0: yeah all right oops all right so then uh how do you push through
1: it's a good question and um for many people million dollar question i think yeah um i think we have listed six or seven things here starting with um the first one which is don't overthink things Mm -hmm. and and just get started and again we, we kind of keep repeating this in terms of Yeah, don't worry too much about your logo or don't worry too much about having the perfect WordPress theme or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's one angle. But I think the other angle, which you kind of added into the notes that we have here and which I think is really good is like always kind of think about the next step and always just make sure that you get to the next step. And Well, my note
0: is uh, what's the most impactful thing you can do right now? And this is actually something that I, I think about quite often. Also with my own work, like there's times where you're kind of deciding on what to do next and what you should do next. And there's a lot of things you could pursue, you know, like, but what's the most impactful thing that is directly related to either your job or your side hustle? And usually that answer becomes quite simple. For example, but if in the case that you are doing a blog or if you're doing a YouTube channel, obviously the most impactful thing is to pump out more content if you haven't started yet. Or if you're just like, you know, two, two weeks in, probably the most impactful thing is just to keep going. What's, so I always like to ask myself that question. What is the most important thing I have to do right now that will push this forward? And it's not a, it's not a logo. It's not coming up with a business card, and it's not coming up with a new fancy tagline. It's probably pushing out more content, at least in the case of our um, affiliate programs, not our affiliate programs, our affiliate blogs.
1: Yeah, or, or if you have any other business that you're trying to start, and let's say it's like a business that involves sales, then probably our. Best thing to do is to to go and knock on another customer's door, another pot- potential customer's door, rather than trying to I don't know like turn your marketing presentation from green to blue because you think blue will work better, yeah, or whatever. But but I think yeah I think the way you framed it is really good in terms of what's the most impactful thing that you can do right now? Because again, if we kind of come to the point of all right, I published first five articles, I'm not seeing any traction, and you start thinking oh maybe I'll see more results with um, with starting a new blog and jumping to the next thing. Mm-hmm. then it, it, it's very rare that that is actually the most impactful thing you can do in, in your position, right? It's it, Usually the most impactful thing is not just keep going and just publish the next piece of content, or like you said, or or I don't know, reach out to a blog to try to mm-hmm. do a guest post there if, if that's the sort of stuff you're trying to do.
0: Or if it's t-shirt stuff, then the next design, the next t-shirt design. Or if it's music, then the next beat or the next song. Or if it's writing a book, then the next page or next chapter
1: exactly i, I think we with, with like the t-shirt business it's probably a bit more nuanced just because you have to also do the sales and marketing mm-hmm. and maybe it's better to have like one t-shirt design and then focus a lot on the sales and marketing side mm-hmm. rather than just going back to your t-shirt design and designing another one it's more about the balance there i guess depending on what kind of t-shirt company you're trying to build but but in either case i think yeah whatever it is if, if it's a t-shirt business then it's definitely either um designing another t-shirt or finding another customer for your t-shirt rather than trying to switch the button from whatever, from green to orange or something.
0: Yeah. yeah, so what's the most impactful thing you can do right now? Casey, here's a question for you. What's the most impactful thing you can do with your blog sites?
1: That's a good question. I think one is um, publish more content and two is um start updating content. Mm-hmm. But then, again, um, in my case, I think the most impactful thing I can do is actually figure out how to scale those things and especially the latter, how to do the updates on a more, in, in a more systematic way so that I can find somebody to do them regularly. Mm,
0: so, that sounds fair.
1: So, so, so yeah, I, I think for me, the most impactful thing usually comes down to... Um, Figuring out new systems and kind of what to um, have somebody do. Mm -hmm. That's one. And two, um, keyword research. So just coming up with the topics that we should write about. Yeah. And and that's where I think I can add the most value. Because again, at the end of the day, for me, I don't think writing the content itself is the most impactful thing because i'm trying to scale the sites mm-hmm. i think somebody they're just getting started writing their own content is by far the most impactful thing because well one you you get content for a website which is the most important but also once you get to the later stages you know what kind of content you want you know how you want it written and so on like I, i'm a big believer in try it first yourself before trying to to hire somebody mm-hmm. unless it's something like rocket engineering or whatever <laughs> Where it's really hard to do it yourself first. So, uh, so yeah, I think for me myself right now, it's keyword research, which I um, at this point I have a hard time imagining um, outsourcing to somebody else, and then to is figuring out how to systemize and, and hire people for, for the other side okay. for the remainder of the process. How, how about you?
0: Uh, yes, I guess same thing. Um, pr- produce more content and also keyword <laughs> research. Probably the most important things for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. And again, I guess if we think about it, then keyword research is just part of the content production process. Anyway, so yeah, all in all. I think just just publishing more content with, with either of our models is, is probably the most important yeah. thing
0: and then there's of course secondary goals and whatnot but you know first and first and foremost is what's number one what's the most important one
1: yeah and, and I think um before we started recording you were talking about um like having too many goals kind of paralyzes you yeah right and and I think that that's a similar case here it's like if you want to install a new theme add like seven different plugins find the best possible web hosting publish content and so on then you kind of end up paralyzed hmm. whereas of course all these things matters um of course you should have a good hosting of course you should have a good theme of course you should have the basic plugins installed and so on but at the end of the day whether you have the best wordpress hosting or like the third best or the fifth best
0: it doesn't matter it, it
1: does, doesn't matter in the beginning right yeah and um and, and same with WordPress theme or whatever. It's like, you, you just got to get the content out in this case. And and that's the one thing you should focus on because yeah. it's, it's easy to get distracted with, with other things.
0: Well said, okay. So uh, what, what's next? What's the next thing?
1: Well, I, I think as, as you might have noticed, I, I slightly changed the order because I think because I think um, it kind of ties into what we we're just talking about, and that is
0: focus on one thing.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, focus on one thing, and I think like when you, when you look around the internet, it's kind of easy to see people with two, three, four, five sites. Like you have, I think three or four. I have mm. a few more than a few. Yeah, th- there's people that have like a dozen and that are making like thirty thousand dollars a month or whatever. And it's easy yeah. to it's easy to look at that and go like, oh, I should start seven different sites right off the bat, and um even though there's perhaps some arguments to be made for, for that. Like we both know that Google takes some time to rank sites and like kind of appreciates age sites a bit more and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I still think that all those benefits are far outweighed by the drawback of kind of um, spreading yourself too thin in the beginning when you don't have any systems, when you don't know necessarily what you're doing, and so on, right? Yeah. And, and and that's why that's why I think it's it's really critical to focus on just one thing in terms of both, like we said, just focus on the, what's the most important task at hand, but also in terms of projects. So don't like don't try to start a website and a YouTube channel and a podcast and going to the gym all in the same week. Right? Mm-hmm. Like start one thing, wait until you get some. Some sort of traction and again the wait can be long <laughs> like with, with jimmy it might be like going five times in a row once a week or something and perhaps you get into some sort of habit but with like starting a website for example it can be six months it can be eight months it can be a year and a half until you get to the point where i think you should be starting your next thing because mm-hmm. again it, everything costs resources and i think that's a lot that's what a lot of people don't realize is that um when you say yes to something you say no to to another thing and it's easy to go like oh i'll start this side and I'll also start this set and I'll also start this set and I'll also start that. But what you, do, what you don't realize is that every time you say also, which makes it sound like you're adding something onto what you're doing, you're also taking away from the first thing, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you start one side and then you also start second, it means the first side became half of what it was. And the second side is half of what, what a full full effort at trying to build a side would be, right? Mm. So so I think rather than and, and again, I think down the road, there's ways to, make that happen and whether it's hiring people putting in place systems and so on but i think first just start one thing focus on it and see it through at least up to a point where you gain some sort of traction Rather than just starting seven things at the same time. Do, do you have any thoughts on this? Was it was it similar case with you when you were starting your thing? Or
0: no, I don't think I had issues focusing on more than one, or on focusing on too many things because it was just a matter of producing content. The thing was always fairly simple for me. Never really spread myself thin. I think I started spreading myself thin more so when I had like when I had several things going in at once. Yeah, and that's when it's like oh you have this on autopilot, you have that on autopilot, and then you could you start adding more and more in, and that's when I think it becomes an issue. And it could definitely become an issue for beginner as well i just um but in my case it w- it wasn't a thing that would be an issue for me i don't think i have a particular issue with focus
1: yeah yeah i, th- I think that's good because again i think if you think about the barriers to entry like they're really low right it's like a domain costs what a, a 10 bucks I think. yeah 10 11 bucks and it's easy to go like oh i'll buy this domain i'll buy that domain and i'll start this blog and i'll start that blog and and then you have like five blogs that each have like two articles and you don't know what to do next because none of the blogs are giving you any feedback because it takes time, mm. and you're kind of you're, you're kind of in a place where it, it's really hard to figure out what's the next most impactful thing, like like you were talking in the previous point, just because there's six sites and and you only have time to work on one really.
0: Yeah, that's why I I never actually start multiple sites at once. I only start a new site when like the last one I was working on is off to like a good start or not off to a good start. It's already going and receiving sufficient traffic and probably earning something, then I can set it aside comfortably.
1: Yeah, I- exactly. There comes a point where where it makes sense to kind of diversify and to, to take the portfolio sort of approach because again like we talked in the in the past it's like um, with google algorithms being updated all the time and and with the search results being more volatile than than ever pretty much i think Um,
0: search results like are like climate change
1: yeah exactly (laughs) and it's only gonna get worse um but but yeah with with all those things it's definitely good to to have multiple assets because again, a site can go from hero to zero overnight, essentially these days. Yeah. But for your first site, it's, it's a zero to begin with. So um, first build it into a hero or at least into something and then start the next one.
0: Yeah. All right. Next up, if you want to avoid losing the passion and excitement for your project, if you want to keep on trucking, The next point is number three, have realistic expectations. Now, here's a common um, scenario. Usually when someone gets excited about a project, they'll go and tell either their friends or someone higher up, they'll go brag about it. I'm planning about doing this. I'm planning doing that, this and that. You're going to talk big game. You're going to be very excited. And I think this is very common. And usually on the other side of the coin, like the person listening to you, Maybe uh, it depends. Some will be very supportive. Other people will be like, "Yeah, okay, good luck with that." <laughs> they will, will not take you seriously. And I think this is an important part on the line um, because it's very common to hear people talk big, but when it comes to deliver and stick with things, like the the person that's experienced, they kind of already know what's going to happen. This person's going to fizzle themselves out. They're so excited, they're going to burst out the gate, put in a lot of work, get tired. So the thing is, like, that's a common sign. If you if you hear someone just talk excitedly about, "Oh, I'm going to achieve this, this, and that." To them, it's like it doesn't really matter what you're talking about right now. What matters is where we, where will you be like months down the line and come talk to me then. That's the part.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and like you said, um, it's easy to kind of get excited and then run out of steam, I guess. Yeah. And um, yeah, like, like you said, I guess it's kind of easy to get excited and run out of steam. And that's kind of another angle compared to what I was originally thinking about this point where I was more thinking about kind of the monetary side and being like, oh, I'm going to take over the world and make $5,000 per month within like the first half year or something. Mm-hmm. I think there's that part. And I think there's another part which which you brought up here, which is really important too. And that also ties to the next point once we get there is um, kind of pacing yourself. So don't be like, oh, I'm going to publish 100 articles per month yeah. from the, from the get-go because you're never going to achieve that if you're on your own and yeah. you want to put out quality content or don't even be like, I'm going to do an article a day for the next 12 months because somewhere along the line, along the way, you're not going to be able to keep up. You're, you're going to burn out, right? Yeah. That That's it. That I think short sprints are good. Like if you tell to yourself, all right, I want to get this side of the ground. So I'm going to work my butt off and, and I'm going to publish 60 articles within the next month, um, depending on how much you work on, on other things um, that might be possible. And I think that's yeah. good. But long term, I don't think it's sustainable until you bring somebody on board.
0: Well, I mean, for this point, all I just say is that if if you're new and you just started, you're trying to start and you have these giant hopes and dreams, which is cool and all, just understand that uh, it doesn't really matter right now what your idea or your goal is it's great it's, i'm sure it's great but the point is like it depends on where you're going to be with it months and years down the line which is why you shouldn't be surprised if someone doesn't take you seriously at first it's not their fault it's just there's a lot of people that talk big game and then quit and for you it's not about talking big game it's about being able to stick with it so
1: yeah i think that's, that's a good point too so i mean like yeah it's cause,
0: I just I like this point specifically because you know I have other friends also that are kind of interested in side hustles or starting out creative projects and they go and tell me the idea. They'll ask me what I think about the idea, but it doesn't really matter. Even if you ask an experienced person, it doesn't really matter what they think about the idea. What matters is that we're, again, not now, but where you'll be in where you'll be five months, six months, a year, two years down the line. That's what kind of matters.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it's also like, if if somebody asks you, it's like, oh, I want to do A, B, and C. Do you think it's a good idea? Then I think it comes back to the entire topic of this episode, which is, your your question should probably be, can you stick with it for a year, even if you see no results over the year? Because again, there's very few ideas that will um, result in indecent businesses that that can be built overnight right yeah a- and, and i don't know about you but i maybe it's because of the type of content that i watch but on youtube and sometimes on facebook i get um, a lot of ads in terms of oh don't miss this if you want to be rich tomorrow kind, kind of yeah, ad. Exactly. what are you clicking on <laughs> I think it's just watching online marketing stuff and things like that right. and, and being retargeted. But um
0: uh, yeah, worse. That's okay.
1: <laughs> but 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 yeah, you, you get these ads and, and I think if you have zero experience in, in online business or whatever, I guess it's it's not un <clears throat> it's not unreasonable to think that a lot of people actually believe those ads and believe those claims mm. and, and kind of arrive at unrealistic expe- expectations that way. So so I think um yeah, if you're learning about how to do these things, kind of be skeptical in terms of what you're being taught, but also in terms of how fast you're being promised results. Mm-hmm. I think that's one. And the other thing is to, to kind of tie back into having the realistic ex- expectations is, um, and, and I think you mentioned that you didn't read too many of these, but um, like a lot of the stuff that kind of motivated me in, in building my sites mm-hmm. was just following along other people's journey and like kind of reading their monthly income reports and their like stuff about their projects and and project reports. Mm -hmm. And I I think those are a great source of motivation. I think where they become dangerous is if you look at somebody that's like seven years ahead of you and you take their success of today as something you want to reach tomorrow, Mm -hmm. which is where, again, it comes back to like, you have to have realistic expectations in relation to what that person put into the business and where they are. So if somebody has been doing it for five years consistently and has been good at it and has been making whatever $20,000 from 15 sites, it's good to aim for that, but also don't think you're going to get there tomorrow yeah. because it will lead to disappointment. And
0: Here's a question for you. Have you had unrealistic expectations with your own projects? Do you think?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I definitely think so. So um, I don't think I have them necessarily now, but when I was starting, I definitely had them in, a, in the sense of not necessarily I want to make $1,000 tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I think it was more about the timeline of, oh, when am I going to see some, when am I going to see the first five people come to my site for Google, right? It's like, I would start a site, I would publish an article or two, and then I wouldn't see any traction within a week or two. And I'd be like, oh, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And I would essentially, I would give up way too early on like, a couple of different things, like I mentioned to you that I had that I used to own the domain homeoffice.life. yeah. And if I knew back then what I know now, I'm pretty sure it would have been a nice site, <laughs> with with a nice spike in earnings back in in March last year. But back then it was like I wrote four articles, and I was like, all right, where's the people? <laughs> yeah. And of course it was crickets, right? And then I then I started another site, another side. And as you know, and as, as I mentioned a few times here on this podcast, um, like my first kind of success in terms of getting traffic to website was with my aviation site mm-hmm. and that goes back to the fact that I, I just kept publishing content and I didn't even care about the the visitors in the first place because it was kind of an outlet for me to, to record my travels in
0: What about uh, YouTube? YouTube Because I know you recently set that on
1: ice. That's a good question. Um, Maybe I'm a a YouTube beginner, but I I think there it comes back to kind of our previous point, which was focus on one thing. And I don't think in this case it's necessarily one thing. I have a bunch of different things, but um, I think it just comes down to, all right, there's these things that I'm trying to work on. So of course I have a considerable amount of client projects going on. And I also have a couple of websites that I'm trying to grow actively Mm -hmm. that I have to, one, I still do the editing for and the keyword research for, but also two, that I want to build the systems kind of to the next level, so now I had writers, I had a virtual assistant, but I kind of want to add another editor and make it a bit more hands off, mm-hmm. add to the the fact that um there's also things outside just working and, and building blocks that I want to do. Um, it just kind of fell to the bottom of the list, and and again, perhaps it was unrealistic expectations when I started, and I thought, all right, I have enough time to to deal with this. But I also think um, it comes back mm. to the focus things. Like I, I, I just realized that it's it's fun and I kind of enjoy recording the videos, but they take a long time to record and to edit. And there's just better things that I can be doing with the time at this point today, which doesn't mean that I won't return to it tomorrow or in two months or in a year or in five years. But here right now, uh, yeah. it is not the thing that I should be working on, I think.
0: Okay. But do you have the capacity to do it if you wanted to?
1: That's a tough question, because again, it comes back to, I have the capacity, but every time you choose to do something you also have to choose not to do something else. Mm-hmm. Right? So it just, it's, it's a trade-off. And could I, let's say, publish, I don't know, like 15 less articles per month and do an extra video or two? Probably mm-hmm. could. But I think at this point, at this time, what I'm not willing to give give up the time outside of what I kind of consider, consider to be my work hours, to be working on it, and to within those hours that i want to be working on whether it's client projects or my projects um, there's better things to do in terms of roi at this point than the youtube channel how, how about you have you ever found yourself with with any unrealistic expectations
0: uh, I, I probably my unrealistic expectations are just like not goals wise but more so putting too much stuff on my plate i think that's more so something that i struggle with than actually like dreaming about oh This thing is going to earn millions or this thing is going to be super successful. I don't think that. So for me, just overwhelming myself, which I think I've been doing for the most part. um, Well, I've not been doing that too much with the websites because as you know, like when we do our goals and our goal recap videos, not videos, (laughs) our goal um, recap episodes, I tend to maintain the same amount of volume month on month. uh, And I think I accomplish it fairly easily without much issue, but like, when we started adding on other stuff, like, you know, read a book, do this and that, I think both of us kind of missed, uh, we we took a a bit longer than necessary. to read that to finish that book so i think i don't know Like when you start adding more that's when it gets harder but um i'm pretty good at keeping things at least in the side hustle space i'm pretty good at keeping things yeah. level and not overwhelming myself that being said I, pl- I have other goals and dreams and stuff that i'm probably <laughs> overwhelming myself with yeah outside of the side hustle space yeah
1: i think it's interesting that you mentioned the book because again going back to the focus it's like um if we never decided to to read that book then we would never have read it and i think better late than never right so, so I, th- I think it was a good decision, but it also goes back to the fact that, um, yeah, it took us longer than expected because we had other things to do and, and we kind of had other things to focus on. But I think the flip yeah. side of that, I guess, is, um, and again, not when you're starting a project. I think when you're starting your first project, just be 100% focused on it and and knock it out of the park. But I think once you have a thing running and you kind of want to explore new things, I think there's the time, that mm-hmm. the time comes then don't yeah. be afraid to start another thing once you have something that's, that's up and running. But also don't be afraid to drop things because I think once you have too many spinning plates, that, that's when you either completely crash and all the plates fall down and break or that's when, when you just get so overwhelmed that you don't know what to do next.
0: in the case of websites at least i think it's okay to stop them and stop publishing and there won't be much uh, damage done whereas like i assume if you're running a youtube channel and you have an audience that expects you uh, and also like with every kind of video you get more ad money i guess there you're kind of stuck to like a content mill or a process that you must keep publishing which is again it kind of points back to like it's nice to have a website that doesn't lose rank quite easily (laughs) hopefully as opposed to other side hustles where the moment you stop putting in effort, it dies down.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, actually, because I think part of the reason why, and I think we talked about this before, and I I forgot to mention this um, when you asked me the question a a minute ago, but I think part of the reason that I um, didn't continue with the YouTube channel for now is I just felt like I don't want a thing where I have to show up every Friday, essentially, kind of thing. And and that's exactly what what you just said, I think makes a lot of sense. and, And I think it's also why Websites are the best side hustles for people that have other jobs, essentially. It's because when you when you have the time, you can speed up. When your main job is busy, you can kind of slow down and you can pick up things later. And it's very, like, it's not something that you have to do 100% regularly, right? Even though I recommend everybody to kind of have some sort of consistency because that's how you persevere.
0: Yeah, I've I've taken month-long or several month-long hiatuses and without much detriment
1: yeah- I- exactly and and sometimes you even see growth because because of what Google's doing in, in in the background now this is not to say you shouldn't work on your site regularly, but again it's it's nice to have the option of essentially being able to put something on the shelf and focus on another project fully and then return to it, especially once you have an established site like i, I think a new site requires attention for a while, but if your site is making what or two or three thousand dollars, I think this is when you can kind of take the. Take your take your foot off the throttle, and kind of start a new website, and um and and return to the to the big side just let's say once a month or something.
0: As yeah. is the case with one of your websites, I think you mentioned you started picking up, you started um adding more content to it because it started picking up in terms of traffic, and you did really literally nothing to it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the case with my aviation site where um I, I think the, set, the the traffic went up like probably like thirty five or forty percent over the last month and a half. And, again, I, I even though I've set some goals to post there, I haven't posted there in a while. And, again, the, the reason that it went up was because, well, one, I think with, with the coronavirus situation, I'm not sure necessarily getting better, but with, with travel kind of starting to open up in places, um, it's probably just more search volume. But also... Um, it, the couple of Google algorithms that happened um, this and last month, they've positively affected the site. So so, so again, it was nice to see the site go up. And and that's kind of what also made me start focusing again on that site, right? Because it's been kind of sitting there for a while, earning a decent amount of money, considering that I wasn't doing anything with it for, for a month at the time. But now is now it's the time for me to go back and to start growing it again, because it's almost like I got the rush of, oh, this thing is taking off again. So let's put some effort into mm. it. And I think there's very few businesses where you can kind of... Um, and again, this is a bit off topic from, from what we're talking about. But I think there's very few businesses where you can kind of let it be for a while. Essentially, where you can take a hiatus or a sabbatical and then come back and be in the same or potentially even better position than than you were before you left.
0: I feel like for musicians and for uh, actors that earn dividends... For, well, I don't know if the, the word is dividends, but...
1: Royalties.
0: Yeah, they they earn royalties, you know, as the show goes on without them. But yeah, of course, uh, for us regular people, probably yeah, exactly, a better option.
1: Unless you're Brad Pitt or who was it, Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, and, and do and do an ad for Boss Coffee, then blogging is your next best option, I guess.
0: Although I think in the copywriting space, if you uh, um, set up a contract with whoever I don't know whoever is uh, hiring you out. If you, write, yeah. for example, if you're writing a promotion on them for them, there is also royalties for uh, for that. So meaning, for as long as they run the ad, if, if it's within your contract, I think it is a case with it is a thing and it does happen where people consistently earn royalties from ads that they've written long ago that are still being used and are, that are still selling.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. I've I've never thought of um, again. I I never really thought too much about copywriting, but I guess it's one of the jobs where you could either do some kind of um, royalty or Profit share or share of kind of the increase in profit generated by your copy or something. Yeah. Essentially, results-based pricing rather than rather than input-based pricing. Speaking of
0: input-based, point number what is it for? Five, I guess.
1: <laughs> for For some reason, when I che- again, for some reason, when I pick the number list option, it put in letters. Okay. But, but point, I believe E is the fifth point letter.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of input, next point is focus on input goals.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of ties back into um, have realistic expectations and pace yourself and then putting some sort of framework around it. So yeah. I, I know that a lot of people go into these side hustles kind of thinking, all right, my goal is to start earning 5000 a month by 2023, or my goal is to quit my job in a year and a half. And, and I also know there are some courses that, that are kind of framed around that, like um, I think Income Schools Project 24 the reason they chose the name is because essentially the goal is to to have you quit your full-time job within two months, uh, within two years. Um, Now one thing, if the only thing um, between you and quitting your job is you having to find uh, a side hustle that will earn you the money, then if you hate your job that much, you should maybe start looking for for another job earlier, if circumstances allow for that. But um, to stay on the topic, I think those goals are nice, but they're also very far away, right? It's like you're not going to get there for a long time. So I I, I think you need something that's more short-term, one, but also that's more
0: Those goals are dream-based. The reason why they set them up is for marketing. They're trying to sell a dream.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's sort of a dream, I guess. Yeah, like you say. And again, it's not like those goals are necessarily bad or that it's bad to have that sort of vision. But again, yeah, I guess, like you said, it's it's a dream or it's a vision. It's it's something where you want to get, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how to get there. Right, so I, f- I think focusing on goals that you can easily track, measure, and that you have complete control over is is the most critical f- thing. I think, um, and it, it's been critical in building my sides as well. Where I just say, all right, on this side, over this period of time, I'm going to publish. X number of articles per week. And then that's my job. My job is to publish five articles per week on, on site A. And whether, whether site A gets to 10 visitors or 50 visitors or 1,000 visitors, I don't care. My goal is to publish that number of articles. Right? Mm. Now, of course, after a certain amount of time, you also have to go back and compare it with the outputs. But in the beginning, just got to focus on the inputs because that's, at the end of the day, what produces the outputs.
0: Yeah. And for us, inputs is uh, just putting, in more, putting out more content. And I think... Anyone in the online space, for them probably as well, putting out more content is a simple way and a simple input and something you can do. Be like, all right, I have to do X five a month or 10 a month or one a week, however you choose to do it. I do four four articles a month for my main site and two for my new site yeah
1: yeah and and exactly this this is the kind of goals that we're talking about every month at the end of every month or at the beginning of every month and
0: there's there's no magical number here it's just like you know you're you're asking all right but how did you come with four into it doesn't really doesn't matter i think maybe i could do less maybe i could do more but it's consistent and yeah i pulled it out randomly it's reasonable it's doable it's not hard but there's no magic number and don't you know just pick a number
1: Yeah, it's but I, I th- yeah, th- there's no magical number. But I think to tie it back into the previous point, I think you got to keep it realistic. Yeah, don't don't make it 100. Yeah, exactly. And and I also think less and more consistently generally tends to be better than more in a short burst and then kind of burning out. Yeah. But again, there's different approaches and different ways to do things. But but in either case, I think the key is that, um, especially in the beginning where you are doing all the work and and there's nothing else that's happening with the business, it's it's literally you and the keyboard in the beginning, right? And and the domain. What matters is the input goals, Mm. not the outputs. I think down the road, when whatever you're making $3,000 and you want to get to $5,000, I think it's a good goal to have because you have some sort of reference and you can kind of map it back into what the input should be. So you can have something like, all right, I want to go from 3000 to $5,000. But, but even then, I guess it still comes back to, all right, but to do that, I need to publish X amount of articles and to publish X amount of articles within a year. I need to publish this much per week. And to do that, I need to do A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's always breaking it up into the tasks and, and what the inputs are.
0: Yeah. All right. What's, po- what's the next point? Point six or point F? Point six. Oh, yeah. Number six. Don't do it just for the money
1: yeah don't, don't do it just for the money um at least in the beginning mm. this is one of these things where it's
0: like someone's gonna listen to this be like yeah but you guys are doing it for the money so what the hell is up with that
1: let, let me just start with a simple question did you start your first successful blog because you wanted to make the money no Okay. Th- th- yeah, same here. My my first unsuccessful blogs were because I wanted to make money. Yeah. But my first blog that actually gained some sort of traction was a blog that I just enjoyed. Yeah. Right. And um I think there there's in a way, I think it's almost like you can learn this thing and you can have the best roadmap and you can execute it, but you can still fail if you give up too soon. And too soon can be anything between like two weeks and like seven years, right? It's like you never know when your business is gonna gonna get, get some traction. Mm. And I feel like it's always easier to get to the point where something's getting traction if what you're doing is not inherently motivated by money. So in your case, maybe it was wanting to learn a new language or something. Yeah. In my case, it was just essentially I used to post photos to, to a couple of websites that are like databases. Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe I should just start my own Facebook page and share, share it there under my name, mm-hmm. under the Canadian Aviation name. I'm not really creative when it comes to it comes to names of um, brands.
0: Aviationworld.net.
1: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So I started a KN Aviation um, Facebook page. And then there I got some traction. I was like, oh, maybe I also want to write about these experiences, not just post um, pictures. Mm -hmm. So I started the website. And I kept posting things there. And I posted them there because... I wanted some place to... Again, because I went to some place where I can just record all these memories, essentially. That's kind of how it started. And from there, one day I looked at the analytics and um, I saw that there's people coming. So I'm like, oh, maybe there's something to this. So I added ads and I was like, oh, maybe I should start adding this type of content to increase the traffic a bit. And that's when I kind of started taking it more as as an asset that earns money rather than as a hobby, pretty much. And, And I believe that it, it's just much easier to persevere if you're doing something that you're passionate about, or if you're doing something not for the money. Because again, the money comes pretty late in the game. Mm. At least in my case, it was pretty late. The money
0: is a a result, I think, of um, other people finding what you put out as valuable or useful. So I think to start off with an expectation, because again, someone listening to this is gonna be like, yeah. But you guys are doing. Everyone's doing the side hustle for the money. That's that's why that's why everyone starts a side hustle in the first place. So like, okay, yes, but what you have is you have an entitled view on what the results are going to be like. First of all, what you put out likely, you know, like it's not up to you to determine if it's useful or if it'll be valuable to the audience or if an audience will even like it. That's for them to decide. So you, sure, you can put money as your goal, but the audience can and will disagree, and it, so it's it's not something that's up to you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So even though you could say, oh, but everyone else is doing it, but it doesn't matter. They're putting the cart ahead of the horse or the horse. Yeah, the cart ahead of the horse. First has to be useful and interesting to someone. And then then you can think about it. But if it's not useful, if it's just gra- crap, which I think like, and I, I think you can agree with me, when you when money becomes the motivation and you're looking to get it, um, you start publishing a lot of crap, you start cheaping out because you're trying to look for that quickest way to make it work. Whereas usually the quickest way to make it work is not the quickest way. It's, the, it's a more careful approach where you build something of actual value.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think there's correlation between how much... Um... About the average you go or about what is, ex- what is necessary to succeed you go and the, and the level of your expectation in terms of, are you doing this for money or are you just enjoying mm-hmm. it? And and that's why you, and that's why always, I think um, the best content is content that's written by people that are passionate about the topic and, and that, um, that, that are writing it because they, they want to write it. Yeah. And, and and I think the other thing is like, I, I think part of the problem is a lot of people don't know what their passion is, right? It's like my passion is watching movies. It's, like, it's, not, it's just the way you waste time or the way the way you kind of um, relax and, and it, it, it's it's your hobby at best. But I, for, for most people, movies are not passion. Right? Mm.
0: Unless like, you're a screenwriter or a yeah, director. It, it,
1: exa- exactly. But it's those type of people that would probably start a blog about yeah. how to screenwrite or how well, to... But those
0: people produce produce things. They don't just consume. They produce an actual product.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think that's a that's a big distinction between hobbies and passions is, or, or between kind of almost even just distractions and passions is um, one you consume, the other one you, you produce with with some sort of purpose. But but anyway, anyways, that's that's for a different episode. Um, but my my point being, it doesn't necessarily have to be all right. I'm passionate about aircraft, so I'm going to start aircraft. set. it might be something even even something like whatever. I'm an accountant. I want to learn all these new concepts, so I might just as well write about them along yeah, the way. Yeah. And start an accounting blog or I want to get a pilot license. So as a study tool, maybe I should start writing study notes for myself and publishing those. Yeah. Or, or something where it's, it's almost like the, the asset that you're creating is a byproduct of something else. Yeah. And, and and again, I'm not, I think out of the list that we're talking about today, I think this one is probably not the one that's 100% mandatory. Because again, like ultimately you can succeed even if you started just for the money. But, but I think it's highly recommended. Yeah. But it's also something that's really hard to to do kind of um, consciously, I think. I think that's the tough part. It is
0: tough like I, I think there's there's different mental spaces or mind states that one has. Like a person that's out for money and money only has a different mental state or mind state and way of going about things versus someone that actually wants to do something useful.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think like the the purest form of this is essentially what what either myself or A lot of other travel bloggers, a lot of aviation bloggers did, which is they just started writing about what they love and kind of sharing their stories and that turned into a business I think that purest form of this if you're listening to this is pretty much unachievable because money is clearly in the equation if you're looking for side hustles but I think you can can still inject some of it into into your efforts and I think injecting some of it into your efforts is definitely something that will help you get over the period where it's not making any money or where nobody's coming to your blog because you're like all right, I'm studying to become a pilot I'm writing these notes anyways so I might just as well publish them rather than I'm going to write all these notes in the next two weeks so that i can publish them and make a hundred dollars a month from adsense next yeah. month right
0: it's a, it's definitely the expectation the false expectation and the entitlement that i think um puts people on the wrong path or the wrong track because again uh one it's up to the audience not you to decide what's good yeah. and if you're trying to decide that for the audience, it's not you're not gonna have a very good time. And I think people that kinda of put out content because they like to, for them it's a lot easier because they're they're um they're not tied to results. They're tied to the enjoyment of putting out stuff. And then the audience find might find something amongst what they put out as useful and that little thing might take off and become a business.
1: Yes yeah, so, so so let me ask you a question. When when did you start thinking about your site as a business rather than just as a-
0: is- I, I to be honest, I never thought of it as a business. Not until I started talking to an accountant, and they called it a business. And I'm just like, <laughs> all,
1: "All right, let me rephrase. But- when did you start thinking about your site as something that can potentially earn money rather than as just some place to write random stuff?" Uh,
0: I, I guess when I earned my first twenty five cents, <laughs> but that wasn't exactly a, a real motivator just yet because twenty five cents is just twenty five cents. I think maybe when I started earning like the minimum for that one affiliate program that I'm part of, the minimum was like 50 bucks a month. And I started getting like 50 bucks every other two months. That's when it kind of started hitting me. But I think the content that I put out now is also very similar to the content that I used to put out before. So it's just like, it, it just told me to do more of that kind of stuff. All
1: right. And did, did you have affiliate links there from the very beginning?
0: No. Actually... I think I've had it from the beginning, but I didn't, it wasn't, it was just there just because, you know, like why not, why not type of thing, but it wasn't there, um, you know, like to motivate me to do it more and try to like monetize It's just there, like see if it happens. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, actually, yeah, because if, if I think about it, I think on my aviation side, I had ads from the very beginning, probably AdSense. And, and again, I think it's because, yeah, I, I guess thinking about it, it wasn't as pure as, as, as I made it sound because before starting my aviation blog, I tried to start a f- couple of blogs with the purpose of making money. So so I kind of had the, had the thing in the in the corner of my mind saying, yeah, if, if people come here, uh, you can make money out of this. Yeah. But but again, I guess it wasn't the primary reason th- that I did it for, and, and the money didn't come for for a long time. And it wasn't I c- actually I know when exactly when I made the first hundred bucks in a single month. It was like May twelfth or something, two thousand eighteen. Because okay. I was I was um, because I was traveling with a friend. We we're in Canada. We were having lunch, and I got this email saying you just earned a hundred dollar commission <laughs> out of Bluehost. By the way, yeah. oh Bluehost, yeah, okay. it was the first time ever that I made. Any sort of, I guess you could call, hundred dollars, a significant um, amount of money out of my sites And I was sitting in Canada having fun on a trip with a friend, mm-hmm. and I got this email. And that's when it was like, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> this thing can actually make like proper money. And that's when I kind of started putting more efforts into the monetization. Part. Okay. So, so there's definitely been the the sense that I earned before, which was nice. But
0: it definitely it, it motivates you to do more, I think, and put out more content. But I think like even if you didn't earn that, you would still be going. And that's probably the most important part. That's the separation. And so it separates, you know, like someone that's in it for the money and they end up quitting like five months down the line because they don't see any results versus yeah. you because, you know, you're, you're just keeping at it because you would do it regardless. And I mean, yeah, the money motivates you to do more, but the fact is you would have done more regardless.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was almost like an add on, right? So I would continue the same thing, but then that one email, Kind of changed my mindset in terms of oh maybe I should also think about this this angle and maybe I should start monetizing it more yeah. while of course continuing to do what I what I enjoy. Yeah. So um so so yeah I guess um even though it wasn't started with the, even though my side wasn't started with the intention to make money I also had some other sides in the past that I that I tried to start to make money. You know like oh sorry go ahead. Oh no! And then this one email kind of made me be more serious about it. At the end of the day,
0: I think this is probably it's interesting. If you read like startup stories, I don't think any startup story started with this person was hungry to become successful, in a in an entrepreneur, and he wanted to earn millions and he wanted to change the world. I think they all kind of start out with with like simpler thoughts and ideas. Like someone usually in this, in a, in this case of tech, it's like someone wants to come up with a new tool or a website. Or in technology, someone wants to do the computer better. Usually, that's how it kind of starts out, I and mean, it's very seldom. I think very unlikely that you hear like person A started because they were hungry to get ex- to become successful and change the world. It's never really about that, you know. Like, <laughs> so you know, I, I guess the the message to the beginner is like that's not the way to think about things.
1: Yeah, I I, I think so, and, and again, I think there there definitely are some people that were like, all right, I, I want to be a millionaire, and became a millionaire, and essentially but, found a way to to do, <laughs> find fine. means to the end. But um, I think that's that's pretty rare. That's why. Yeah. Through finance.
0: They go through the easiest routes, like real estate or finance. But who knows if they actually enjoy the job or if that's actual um, life-changing and world-changing type of stuff. Yeah,
1: I- I- exactly. So, 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 yeah, ultimately, I think um, if you can find something that you're passionate about and that you also think would make for a good blog, YouTube channel, whatever, I think it's a good place to start. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, what do we have next? Find an accountability partner.
1: Yeah, so I'll start this by declaring that I've just before jumping on this podcast recording call, um, I finished the forty five briefs that I said I would do every week for the next
0: few weeks. Okay. What made you finish those forty five briefs? Usually I remember when we did our stretch goal episode. <laughs> this is this is the power of re-listening to episodes. <laughs> When we did our stretch goal episode and asked you, you know, why didn't you uh, lose sleep and put in a bit bit of effort? And you were like, well, I think, you know, why should you put in a bit more effort if you don't have to? And I'm like, but yeah, but that was the point of a stretch goal. The point was to sweat. (laughs) But I think in this case, you sweated a little bit more because I know you were working on a Saturday.
1: I sweated, but didn't sweat because again, as, as, again, yeah. So, so, so I, I don't think I, I really sweated. I just did a bunch of this on Saturday because well, I had my laptop open and, and I had Atrus open, but um, and I wanted to hit the goal. But I think what changed the thing was that um, the goal that I set, which is the forty-five briefs in a week, which is way more than I used to in the past. Okay. In a way, this was the case. We're doing more kind of made the work easier and more smoother. Because again, I enjoy looking through Hrefs and like looking at different keywords. What I dread doing is picking the five keywords to do next week, Mm -hmm. because there's like a hundred and you got to do five. But by setting the 45 briefs goal, like the decision-making has just gotten much easier because ultimately I know that I'll do all those hundred that I think are good. But because I was doing five at the time, I kind of had to set up, try to prioritize them. Whereas now I'm just like, all right, I'm going to do them all eventually anyway. So whatever keyword that I think is good enough that I find, I suddenly don't have to worry about prioritizing it. I just have to worry about looking for the top results and making the brief in like 15 seconds and being done with yeah. it. So, so so I think it's more. one part is just making the goal much more achievable in terms of there's less friction. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have to do this thinking in terms of should I do keyword A or keyword Z? Because I'll do both eventually, and I have the the goal is big enough so that both fit in right in this week, okay. if that makes sense. And the the other thing is, yeah, the other thing I think has been there all along, which is um, just coming here and <laughs> knowing that I said it last week. Or, I'm going to
0: ask you. Yeah. Or did I did I uh, blank out or something?
1: Uh, you you just said I'm going to ask you. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, and I'm going to ask you if you hit it or not.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I, I thought you were going to ask me something now. didn't realize you no, were no. <laughs> yeah. extending my words. But, but yeah, exactly. It's like um, we talk about the goals here. And um, again, sometimes I hit the goals. Sometimes I don't hit them. Um, I find it much easier to hit the goals nowadays because I, I, I guess because of all of this, because I kind of slimmed down in terms of, all right, I'm not doing the YouTube channel. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm on my... On my online business side, the focus is prepare these few hundred briefs over the next couple months Mm -hmm. and grow the team in a way that they can execute on those briefs and grow the sites. And that's that's all the focus. Even though there's a few different sites involved, it's all just part of the same process at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. Um, so um, yeah, it's it just a mix of feeling the need to to bring it here and having made the goal easier yeah. because of removing uh, removing um, some obstacles and making it a bit bit less of a decision making nightmare.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. The, try to remove decision making as well as or streamline it to make things easier. Because if you get stuck trying to think of like trying to make decisions, you can get worn out.
1: I- exactly. But um, to, to to tie it back to this point, which is um, I think you should find an accountability partner, if possible. Okay. Um, again, it just goes back to the fact that we talk about these things here. And I think anybody can benefit from having somebody to talk to about their side hustle regularly. Yeah. And it's probably not your girlfriend. It's probably not your not boss. Your mom. It's probably not your mom. It's not, not your friends.
0: Not me. It's not your friends who you go drink with.
1: Maybe it's your brother, if he has the same interests. But... Yeah. But typically, it's somebody that already has something like that running, right? So um, you might have to go into some forums on Facebook.
0: Is that helpful? Like, I know you're a part of a few.
1: Yeah, I I see people asking questions all the time. It's like, how do I do this? How do I do that? I'm in this situation. What should I do? And every now and then I I reply. Um, They always get some replies from from other people. And I think it's just the sense of community. And like, there's... Because again, we talked about this as well before, but in online business, especially in the beginning, but also long-term, potentially, depending on how you set it mm-hmm. up, it's it's a very, again, it's a very um, lonely endeavor, right? It's, like yeah. it's you and your keyboard and potentially some person on the other end of the screen on, on Upwork or something. So it's nice to have some community that you can go into and that you can ask questions or I even see just people posting their milestones. Like I see people sharing their screenshot of their Google Analytics in, in the group and, and I always hit like. And, and again as much as likes are just a vanity metric I think for the person that posted the screenshot yeah, it's
0: important for them it's
1: important because it's again it's just like oh somebody else saw this and like somebody else is rooting for me yeah. so I'm going to try harder so so I definitely think those um, Facebook groups or, or forums in the past are are really important because they're the community I think if you can find somebody like um, that, that you can talk to like, like we're talking here now I, th- I think that's even better but again I, I don't think it's that easy to find somebody in your network mm. that is kind of on, on the same yeah. on, on the same wavelength about these things. So.
0: It's probably also why uh, it's. In the, I guess in the case of our podcast, it's hard to promote your podcast to your friends because you need a specific audience of people that are interested in starting a side hustle, and your friends may not exactly be it. So it's like you know, I, I could promote, but if there's it, it, no conversion, it doesn't really. It's just a you know, just the audience mismatch. It,
1: exactly, it's like if if somebody started a knit. It's like if a friend started a um, knitting block... Yeah. And here she sent me the link i definitely looked the first time but then i I definitely wouldn't follow it
0: now that's it i I
1: would yeah i would be interested in a commercial part of it where i would want to know regularly how how much visitors the blog is getting or how much money the blog's making or making or whatever so so in that regard i think there there would be kind of a an ongoing thing that that could work but again that that is a completely different part than than the main topic of the blog So 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 yeah, I think the a great place to start is if you're starting your first project, um, just find the niche pursuits group or or something similar on Facebook. And you you don't even have to post there. You just have to sit back and like look look at some of the posts. And and I th- I think at the end of the day it comes down to the fact that being in those groups, mm-hmm. you're kind of exposed to to the successes and failures of people in kind of the same group as you. So like one day you would see somebody posting about, oh, I made my first thousand dollars, and you're like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And another day, you might be seeing somebody that's like, oh, no, I lost half of my traffic. What should I do? And they're like, oh, I have I have zero traffic. But I guess like you, you just got to keep going. And like again, it, it just the conversation around the topic that's happening and that you're, that you're part of. And I think yeah. that, that's a huge help in terms of staying motivated and staying on track and, and staying consistent.
0: Definitely. And talking about what you've been doing, probably, yeah, I agree with that wholly.
1: Yeah, and also here, like every time we talk about something, whatever the topic is, I think we always, in one way or another, just incorporate what we're doing personally in terms of our side hustles. And and again, I think it's good because it kind of makes it makes the content more unique, I guess, because we're talking about our own things rather than just pulling stuff out of our spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 also it it kind of helps us think our our blocks through and just helps make new ideas, come up with new ideas and so yeah,
0: on. Yeah. I definitely yeah, there's no argument there. Accountability works one it's it's amazing how well it works. I always think, you know, like um we tend to idolize or put people on a pedestal, the kind that have figured it out or at the way they promote themselves, or we see them from the outside, is that they figured out and have done everything by themselves or for themselves. Like the yeah. lone wolf type of guy succeeded on his own, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that you learn much faster and you progress much faster when you're working with other people. And, um, and I, that to that, also going back to the lone wolf, I guarantee you that they didn't do it alone either. Just oh, yeah. Marketing is yeah, that they, they've done it alone. Yeah, uh, But uh, uh, having, yeah, exactly. Having a person or accountability group of, of some sort will expedite your progress.
1: Yeah. Now, now, now that said, I guess um, one thing to be careful about, especially in the beginning, is to to actually do the things, like build your block and be part of the community. Because I think there's also the types that um, find a community and like answer people's questions and like post questions and read articles, but they, they don't actually do things. They, mm. They're just theorists, essentially. Yeah. So, so don't become that, but also don't become just a robot that's just punching into his keyboard, writing an article 24 seven, like make it more humane, I guess. Yeah.
0: Here's the last point that I put in. I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I think it's, I think it's an important uh, aspect to being able to stick with something. Past the first two exciting or three exciting months of starting a side hustle, and it's uh and also kind of relates back to focusing on one thing and other things. But if you have very little else to do, and I think that could be the case, with, especially with someone that's a college student or someone that I and maybe during the pandemic also, you know, if after you're done with work you don't have much time or I mean, yeah. not time, you don't have much things to do because everything's closed down and you shouldn't be out there or something like that. I think that is a that can help you stick with things, and I say that from personal experience because I guess. In the case of my blogs, um, as we talked about earlier in the past, like I don't think I think the one thing that allowed me to stick with it and succeed was most definitely the fact that I didn't have like a big social circle. So like whereas most people would go out and drink on like weekday nights or weekends like I had none of that so I had to find a way to channel my energy and this was the thing that and just ended up being by sheer luck otherwise you know if I had if I got one too many phone calls about hey let's go out and drink which of course came afterwards um I wouldn't have built up a blog
1: yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's a good point, and I th- I think um the the past me wouldn't probably agree with that because I would be like you can always find time. But um I I definitely agree with with all you said, and I think if you have s- if you have very little to do to begin with, there's much less friction than if if you have a busy schedule and you have to start prioritizing things. Yeah. All right. So-, so so I definitely agree with that, and and I also think that this kind of brings me back to um like one of our first episodes, I believe, was about who should and shouldn't start a side hustle. Yeah. And I think it's about just knowing, like, again, the past me would be like, oh, everybody should start a side hustle. And like, if you're watching TV for two hours a day, then just stop watching the TV and start a side hustle and hustle yeah. and go and build a website, build whatever. Um, I think that the 2021 me is is more along the lines of just think if you're in the right position to start a side hustle. That doesn't mean you shouldn't make sacrifices. Probably should. Mm-hmm. But if you work a full-time job 10 hours a day and you feel like um, watching TV for an hour after your work and just working on your side hustles for 30 minutes instead of two hours, mm-hmm. so be it. I mean, if, if that's what works for you and if you if you enjoy your work in the first place as well, then yeah. th- then why not? It's like the, the side hustle route or the entrepreneurship route is not the only route. It's, I think, a big learning for me from from the, the past few months or, or the last year or so. What changed? I, I, I think I just... <laughs> Again, I think I just um, got to the point where I, I, I think I got to the point where I don't need more money. So I don't think I, need, I should work harder for more money. But l- l- let me try to think of how to phrase. it. Because that's, that's essentially that's it. Like I feel like I'm better off watching the TV for an hour than making an extra fifty dollars or something.
0: But what about in the, in the sense of someone like uh, you know your your perspective change in other people, for example that they don't have to put in five minutes or like, uh, not not five minutes, they don't have to put in like 30 minutes before they fall asleep into a blog, it, that it's okay for them to like just uh, spend an hour watching TV. If that's the way they want to wind down. Whereas otherwise you would have said everyone should have a side hustle. So I kind of wanted to explore that. What changed there? Not, not so much about you, but for other people.
1: Yeah, I think one of the reasons is probably just me getting more into the oper- operational mode with my side hustles. Mm-hmm and just watching less content about side hustles because i'm at a point where i'm just continuing to do what i do so i spend much less time on the learning part even though i still of course um try to learn new things and so on but it's it's not like i'm again it's not like my head is um in all this thing like four hours a day because before i used to watch a lot of content about how to build sides and so on mm. so i think it just less exposure to to kind of the the education side of the business okay um and two i think it just Priorities. Again, it's like it's. it's not just you to side hustles. There's always some sort of um, trade-off going mm-hmm. on. And I think just because I've been getting more comfortable with my side hustles and so on, that I feel like I can, um, whatever, that I, that I don't have to write 10 articles on a weekend, for example. Yeah. Um, I just think like if if somebody's happy with their full time job and if somebody wants to watch TV after that and that makes them happy, then just continue doing that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Whereas before, I would be like, oh, everybody should have a side hustle and everybody should be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So so, so I think I, I guess I became more more understanding of the fact that that there's and and that makes me this makes me sound like I wasn't I was a um, <laughs> I was an asshole before, but <laughs> essentially I think I, I got to, to the point where I understand that different people have different priorities yeah. and that my priority is not necessarily your priority and your priority is not necessarily my priority. Yeah. And, and yeah, again, I still think it's highly beneficial for, for anybody to have a side hustle, but I think it's also important to to think about. All right. So I, I, let's say I have a young kid. Um, should I really be side hustling after I get home from work or should I be having dinner and reading book or whatever for the yeah. kid? Or or I have a garden that I want to take care of? Should I give up the garden even though it's my hobby and do the side hustle, or should I just be happy with the amount of money I get from my day job and that i that I enjoy and after work should I just completely shut off and just do my um do my whatever tomatoes and cucumbers? yeah I think I kind of in my own life, I started optimizing more for just general happiness and well being and whatever mm-hmm. than for money, even though money is important, but I also feel like after a certain point every extra dollar um not only the government takes more of it than of every previous dollar, but also there's just only um, so many things that a person realistically needs. Right? And so many hours in a day. And, and so many hours in a day. Exactly. So everything's a trade-off. And, and I think um, I used to be of the opinion that almost everything is worth trading for having a side hustle and having building an asset. Yeah. But I, I, I just changed my view on that for, for some of the reasons I was talking.
0: It sounds like growth, personal growth. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was the last point. Have very little else to do.
1: Yeah, I, I think those um 6 or 7 points that we that we went for um again I I think um I think these 7 or 8 points that we went for you should consider and and try hard to implement all of them cuz again sometimes there's tips where it's like oh you take one tip here another tip here another there and it doesn't matter Whether you do one, two or three, they all kind of incrementally add to to whatever you're doing. But in this case, I think you should take all seven at the same time. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I mean, it'll be hard to implement, but I think all of these things need to be kind of be hardwired into a person if they want to make it past the first two months or the first month with their side hustle.
1: Yeah, because in a way, almost the more of these you implement, the less work you have to do. It's like, don't overthink, just get started. So there's no thinking there. Just get started. Focus on one thing. So just do one thing. Don't do two things. There's less things. Have realistic expectations and pace yourself. So don't try to go to the moon if you haven't even been to, to the International Space Station. Yeah. Um, focus on input goals. So don't try to make $5,000 before you even made your first send or wrote your first 100 articles. Don't do it just for the money. Find an accountability partner. So that's, I guess this is one where you actually add more. Mm-hmm. And then they have very little else to do, it's more about, I guess, your kind of life situation than about yeah. um, what you should be doing. Yeah. But at the same time, it comes back to a tip, in, I think in terms of, it's always a trade-off. And if you don't feel like trading off, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing right now for for this, then maybe it is actually best for you not to be doing this yeah
0: because why add more complexity to your life
1: exactly it's like when i buy a new t-shirt my girlfriend's always like all right and throw away one of your old ones she says that yeah she she recommends it because and to, to to be fair I, I always end up like there's way more t-shirts in my closet than i end up wearing okay. but i'm always just like which one am i going to throw out and even those that i know that i'm not wearing anymore mm-hmm. Um, I just have a hard time throwing out for some reason. Maybe I'm a a hoarder. So she she was (laughs) like, yeah, "Yeah, maybe (laughs) next time you buy a t-shirt, maybe you should throw one out. I'm like, okay, okay, let's do that.
0: Sounds like a good idea. That is a good idea. I I mean, yeah. If you can add something new, you may as well subtract something else
1: that you're not using.
0: But it's one of these things that's hard to implement, which is why.
1: um... But you see, there is also accountability partner. Like I would never do it myself, even though I think it's a good idea. Yeah. But but now it makes sense. I mean. Again, I, I yeah, I'm a hoarder and a collector, but I try to limit it as
0: much as possible. Clothing hoarder.
1: Yeah, because I think the other thing is like, I was either living at my parents' place in Slovakia or in or in my grandparents house here in Japan mm-hmm. and in either place I can just keep the stuff and and like go anywhere and just keep it there like I have a lot of stuff at both places mm-hmm. but like with a rented apartment it's like the more stuff i add the more oh, stuff yeah. i have to move
0: with, so ja- with a, japanese apartments that's no no bueno
1: yeah so so it's easier to to keep tabs on things and to to try to reduce at least a bit of clutter
0: yeah i should i should uh, i should consider tossing some things out i've added things since the quarantine began last year
1: Well, that's the goal for August. Mm -hmm. It's like write four articles for blog A, write two for blog B, and throw away two unnecessary things. I
0: have to stop one of those slow moving trucks, (laughs) the Gomi.
1: Yeah. We take everything radios, televisions. But
0: do you have to pay them or no?
1: I think you have to pay them.
0: Well, if I ever hear one, I'll run outside like, hey, take this humidifier. I don't use it anymore. (laughs)
1: yeah paying for getting stuff taken out is something i have to get used to it's like you buy a new microwave you have to pay to get the old one taken away
0: you know but if it depends on which stores you shop at i think big camera when i bought a washing machine there's also a takeaway service like they'll take away your old one
1: yeah yeah they've done that with the with the refrigerator um we thrown away our microwave because we bought an oven Mm. um and i bought that one actually on amazon and i maybe there was uh, an option yeah no i
0: don't it, think amazon offers it but i feel like japanese yeah. department stores would all yeah
1: but invited like the big cameras and and the department stores i think they have the service but um but but yeah i think always good to get rid of stuff that you don't use yeah. all right uh, any
0: any final wise thoughts for today
1: yeah, I guess just to just to summarize it, um, as we kind of went over the, the six or seven points, um, it's still really important to keep an eye on on the ultimate goal, right? So it, for somebody, it might be something like, I want to quit my job. For somebody else, it might be... I want
0: to pay off my student loans.
1: I want to pay off my student loans. I guess that, that was your case, right? Yeah. I remember, right? Um, for somebody else, it might be, I want to be a millionaire or whatever. It Does, doesn't matter. Mm. Um, keep an eye on the, on that goal because if that's what you want, then that's where you have to head. Yeah. But don't get too focused on it, or don't get too obsessed with it, and instead focus on the process. Focus on focus on getting the the inputs done, and on taking kind of the next incremental step towards that goal. And just like you, just like you said, I'll focus on what's the most important at that point. Yeah. And I can guarantee you that ninety nine percent of the time, it's not making a logo. The one, the import, the most important thing is not to make a logo. But two, it's also not thinking about quitting your job or about getting to $5,000 by 2023 or whatever. It's about thinking what should be the next step on the journey there. Yeah,
0: agreed. All right. Uh, If you do want to start your own side hustle, check out the show notes at sidehustlesandstuff.com episode. Not episode. Sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash E57. We recommend Bluehost. Bluehost is a place where you can buy your own website and start putting out your side hustle project into the world. And remember, don't get fizzled out in the first few months. Apply these steps. Buy that website, put things, put your work out there. Don't talk too much about it. Just keep on putting and doing work that's important that'll push it forward and the rest will uh, hopefully take care of itself. And this has been the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast with Casey and Yuri.
1: Talk to you next week.
0: Talk to you next week.